Welcome in, everybody, to the second episode of High Floor Fantasy. My name is Sam Wagman. I am your host, and with me, as always, is my trusty companion and faithful Philly fan sidekick, Jay Arsh himself. Jay, what's going on, man? How you doing tonight? I'm great, man. I'm great. I'm happy to have Angelo on. You know, I told him earlier, you know, we talked about this time last year, and so I'm, I'm happy to, you know, come back around full circle, talk to him again. The Sixers are about to go into overtime, so a little stressed out about that. But other than that, I'm, I'm excited for the show. Yeah, man. It's it's so great to be able to, you know, have these shows during draft to kind of get into everything, even while we sweat out the Sixers game three here. But, uh, you know, more importantly – we have a draft superstar on with us tonight, and uh, it's his second time, you know, being being our guest. We each had him on a show, uh, I think, within like a week of each other last year, and uh, it was it was one of our main priorities to get him back on again this year. So, welcome into the show, Angelo. How you doing, man? Break it down where everybody can find you, what you're working on, all that type of stuff. For sure, superstar is a bit gracious, um, but I'll tell my wife you said that she'll be happy. Uh, but hey, man, thanks again for having me back on. Uh, it's, it's great to talk to you guys both. Um, but yeah, so you can find me pretty easily um, on Twitter at Angelo underscore fantasy or on my website, AngeloAnalysis.com. Um, man, just like we talked about before the show, it's we are almost a week to the day um, from draft day. So getting really excited for that. Um, got some grades coming up on the site, just some more profiles. And then the Ascension draft guide will be coming out pretty soon after the NFL draft once you know these landing spots and get the ecosystem rankings going of, of all what the environments look like going um, going out of the NFL draft into a rookie draft. So, man, I'm just excited for, for draft season to kind of kick into full swing. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, I mean, look, you know, before we dive into anything, we really want to dive into this website because you, la- you launched it, you know, in the last two years, and it's been constantly, constantly upgraded with analysis. I want you to hear you talk about your process and e- even the background of the website, how it sure. all came to be and all that. Yeah, so it's funny. So uh, after the 2019 season was really when I got into, or during the 2019 season, it's when I really got into um more so the analysis and and the draft stuff the twitter threads um, that's what most people know it for and i started doing that a lot and i'm like you know what like how can i you know how can i keep raising the bar with these like how can i continue to do more and twitter's not great in terms of functionality um with the with the twitter threads in general um especially at that time during 2019 um and there's only so much i could do with those so i'm like you know what i think the next step is you know creating a website. So learn how to web design myself, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. That was probably the most rewarding and most stressful thing ever, but um, it was totally worth it. So yeah, I spent like about 100, 200 hours learning how to do it and then just went into it head first and, and created the website and, and started putting up the basically the threads as profiles first. And then after that, I um, started slowly kind of getting the wheels on the Ascension grading system which has been a lot of fun to, to kind of actually manufacture and put out. Um, been like three years in the making. Started the first year last year um, and then got some of the past class grades and I did in 2019. But that's been a lot of fun because I got to combine film and analytics um, with my day job. So I work in sport and human performance and we've talked about that mm-hmm. before. But for me, I use like data analytics in sport every day to make decisions for my own athletes, their coaches, their parents um as well as some of these guys who are in college 
um, potentially going to pro days and, and things of that nature. So that's the really cool thing is we talk about, you know, using data in sports, like that's my day to day, which is really cool. So I get do that with athletes all the time, which is great. So just kind of looking at how different types of athletes move their movement signatures, um, helping them work through those type of things. Um, that's what makes, I think my analysis a little more unique in that facet. Cause that's my, you know, that's my 2 PM to 9 PM, right. That, that's my day to day. So, um, it's just awesome to be able to do that as a career and then kind of putting that spin on it in fantasy is a lot of fun. Um, cause I've been playing since God, Reggie Bush's rookie year was my first <laughs> year playing fantasy. I remember that vividly because I absolutely got my shit kicked in, in my first league. Cause I drafted Reggie Bush in the second round. Um, terrible decision by me. <laughs> Um, but I was a big Trojan fan, a huge Reggie Bush fan, like everybody else was at that time. Yeah. You, you, I was like when the, the age of highlights were was just unreal. I've like, lived in Southern California my entire life, and during oh, that dude. time, Reggie Bush was – I mean, that star. USC team was, yeah, was just a, a whole mega star. Yeah. Like him and, like, I remember, like, him, like, Vince Young, and, like, the the highlights were just unbelievable. Just the music in general. Can't can't replicate that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how everything started and how everything's going. It's just it's just trying to constantly improve it. Got some more stuff coming up. Um, got the four-minute forecast, which is going to be awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Got that coming up soon, which is basically just what it sounds like. I'm going to be forecasting players in four minutes on YouTube, um, <laughs> putting them in the short clips and letting it roll. Um, by starting that in about another month or so. So, But yeah, I'm just excited, man. It's, just, it's a lot of fun to be able to shop it up with guys like you and, and have a lot of fun with it. Before we get into this year's class, I just want to ask a question about it. Who, who's your favorite player over these, you know, past two to three years that you have studied? Favorite player has probably been Devontae Smith. Um, Love it. I think just <laughs> from being able to be around a lot of high-level athletes, being able to watch a guy like that is really special because guys don't move like him. Like, you, you're, he's the bar, really. Like, when you tell an athlete – um, you know, to be fluid or to move with efficiency and to not waste motion, like he, that's him. Like if there's a guy I tell like receivers to study, Devontae Smith, like there's like in field sport too, like we're talking like soccer players, like vol- mm-hmm. like if you want to learn how to, you know, be a fluid mover and, and watch someone and be a student of the game, that's the guy that I go to and evaluating mm-hmm. him was super unique because a guy of his length, play speed, overall athleticism with that stature of six feet, 166 pounds, you don't see that every day. Yeah. Um, and also he has a really unique track and field background. And I was a track and field athlete back in the day. And that was really fun to see too. Cause he was a 10, 600 meter guy, right? He actually mm-hmm. had faster than Jalen Waddle in the hundred, mm. which is kind of funny. No, yeah. no, you wouldn't suspect that, yeah. but um, yeah, he was a, 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 like a stud so it's just awesome to evaluate him and you know watch him kind of grow into the league and as a number one option but yeah he was probably my i would say definitely the, the guy i could probably talk for days about and what he does <laughs> um but yeah i would say definitely Devonte smith oh well, we both love to hear that you know it's so oh course. for sure absolutely <laughs> yeah it's really fans absolutely of course but uh, I think that's enough of, you know, breaking down the website. Uh, let's hop into some of these prospects, man. So uh, let's get started with some of these running backs. I mean, cool. you know, we always got to start 
with the main guy in this class. Well, we all know who that is. It's Brees Hall. So, you know, you have him at, you know, your your uh, Pro Bowl to, you know, almost all pro, you know, uh, rating, which is, you know, in that 65 to 75. And you have him straight at a 70. So, you know, let's let's hear you break Brees Hall down for us. Well, I think the number one thing that's interesting about Brees Hall is the durability. That's the one thing that sticks out for me for Brees is he's the most durable back in this class. And that really carries a lot of weight, in my opinion, in terms of having a, a longer NFL shelf life. Um, but he's just one of those guys that's not going to come off the field. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's good at everything. He's, mm-hmm. The only thing he has to probably work on a little bit is pass protection. But that's every single rookie running back besides maybe a few in this class. Mm-hmm. But he's just a f- bigger, fluid, good pass catcher. I mean, there's not much to say poorly about the guy. I think he can sometimes be too fluid, and that's something Matt Waldman echoed as well. Mm-hmm. But he's one of those guys, if you're in 101 in the Superflex rookie draft, uh, it, I'm taking him or Malik Willis. I mean, it, I think it's, you know, bar none. He's the number one running back in this class, and I don't, I don't think it's particularly close. Um, he reminds me a bit of Matt Forte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was going to say your comps are very, or this this combination of a comp that you put yes, together for him is, it's is great. very fun. Yeah, because um, no, Kareem Hunt that. too. It's like you know we kind of got that cut short anyway, but you know he was so great when we were able to watch Kareem Hunt in the you know early right. part of his career when he was getting that type of workload. So you put in the mold of Kareem Hunt meshed with the linear fluidity of Matt Forte, which is yes, which is a fun combo. Yeah, yeah no, it absolutely is. I'm looking at one of the one of the clips you have here, and it's the one where uh, you know he comes out of the backfield, and then he just goes and runs a route up the left up the left side and catches the back shoulder fade. Yep. Which is you know you know you need to be a great pass catcher in today's NFL to succeed as you know a fantasy football running back that guys want to draft in that first round, and he certainly looks like he checks all the boxes here for that. You know, and you know that's where you see these Kareem Hunt comparisons because hunt does that too he's well a very good pass catcher in his own right yeah i remember even watching i remember the first game cream hunt ever played as as nfl player yeah i remember he fumbled on that first play did he find the first play (laughs) and then he came back and it was like well like a 65 yard touchdown yeah he had like 240 yards in that game yes dude yes unbelievable and that's the type of player i think that Brees hall is is mm-hmm. he's going to be on the field for three downs. He's a good pass catcher, fluid, and has breakaway capabilities like Matt Forte did. I remember, mm-hmm. God, I remember, I was a, I'm a big Bears fan, unfortunately. Of course. Um, but <laughs> I remember watching Matt Forte's first game, and he played the, I'm, I'll never forget, the Indianapolis Colts. Took a 45-yard uh, inside zone run to the house. Mm-hmm. And I just outran everybody. And didn't look like he was trying. And that's kind of the fluidity I see um, with Brees Hall. And he's just a fun prospect. And I don't, you know, he, you're mistaken. if you, I think he's easy, the number one running back in this class. Um, yeah. There's a couple other guys that are really dang good, but I think Brees Hall has the highest ceiling for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Jay. For me, <laughs> for me, it just feels like there's such a gulf between him and the next, you know, guy or guys that it, it really doesn't make sense for anyone else and there's no standout quarterback in this class so you know when when we get to the fantasy side of it you know you you have already said you're taking him ahead of malik willis i feel the same jay what about you 
Yeah, the 101, I, I am taking him over Malik Willis. Um, and I like Malik Willis a lot. We talked about it, you know, before mm-hmm. we got on the show, too. I like Malik Willis a lot. Uh, but I think it's kind of, you know, Brees Hall has this window where we've seen these rookie running backs come in. And you look at even Javante Williams last year. You know, if you picked Javante Williams in the middle of that first round last year in your rookie drafts, if you were will- if you were willing to trade him this offseason, you can get, you know, triple what you invested in him last year. And he didn't even take on that full role last year, you know? So if Brees Hall comes in and he's able to, you know, flash the way that these guys have, I mean, yeah, I think he's more valuable at the 101 right now. And typically that's a quarterback spot, but yeah, Yeah. I think Brees Hall's kind of surpassed that this season. Yeah, I think he's the safest. I think depending on where Willis goes, I think Willis is a ton of upside. I mean, if you're like a team that only won one or two games, I think Willis is kind of a guy for you. But if you're a contender, let's say trading into that 101 spot, I think Brees Hall gives you instant RB1 status. Um, whereas Malik Willis, I think you might have to wait a year, we year or so like Trey Lance, um, to, to see that kind of come to fruition. But um, but yeah, both guys super high on. But yeah, I yeah. think if you're that contender trading up, I would say Brees Hall is probably the the easiest bet for immediate production. Yeah, and lot, go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean it might be, I don't know. We were gonna get to this one earlier, but you know, Pierre Strong, you have him very high. Um, so I was going to bring up Kenneth Walker next, but sure. I knew that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pierre Strong is your second graded back, correct? Yeah. So how, so on AGS, um, <laughs> Derek, make sure you stay for this one. Der- Derek's got to stay. <laughs> so how I have it graded actually is on film, Kenneth Walker's a bit higher. Okay. Um, 30, 38.24 to 37.86. So not a giant deviation. Mm-hmm. Um, but analytically, Pierre Strong is, the second strongest running back in this class, no pun intended. Um, but that's where it's a little bit different. Like Kenneth Walker had one pretty prolific season at, at Michigan State. Pierre Strong Jr. had probably one of the most under-the-radar impressive freshman seasons I've ever seen from running back. Hmm. We're talking over 10 touchdowns, 1,100 yards, on nine and a half yards of carry. Like literally nine and a half yards of carry and over 1,100 yards. <laughs> that's crazy. You don't, I don't, I don't care what level you're playing at. Yeah. That's impressive for an 18 year old kid walking into college football and dominating like that. And that's what you want to see from a player at Brees, like at Brees Hall, like that level, that Pierre Strong Brees Hall level is that. Mm-hmm. Is like you want those guys to really succeed, especially when like if you take Brees Hall, essentially, and we're talking about Brees, put Brees Hall into Pierre Strong's situation as a South Dakota State jackrabbit yeah. as a freshman. You're not going to see that different of production in that vein. 1,100 yards on nine <laughs> and a half yards of carry is pretty impressive. And that yeah. that's something for me, I can't discount him because of the level he played at because he dominated that level from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little bit older for prospect, but that doesn't really matter as much to me because um, I think it, it, without COVID, he probably comes out. Um, but yeah, I, I have him two on AGS because of the analytics. Three is Kenneth Walker. I think Qu- Kenneth Walker has a lot better of a floor than a guy like Strong does. Um, so that's the interesting thing here is, um, and Ben's asking about um, Strong on that. ETN Swift Acres tier. I think that is his potential, really. I think Strong has that. 
I think he has that potential to be a Pro Bowl caliber running back. That's how good I think he is in the right system. Um, in a wide zone system like a Miami, he could absolutely thrive. San Francisco, absolutely thrive. Um, and he's a he's a guy that can hit a home run at any time. So I'm curious to see more with Strong if the NFL is as high on him as I am. Yeah. Because that's where, for me, it's going to really be wheels up or reevaluate his potential ceiling. A guy like Walker, I know he's going to walk in from day one and be a starting running back in the NFL. He's going to have immediate 10-plus touchdown upside. And the only question you have to kind of ask yourself is, is he going to be an above-average receiver? Mm. Um, with Strong, you have more the question is, is he going to see the field often? Right. So that's where the the that's the difference. I think Strong definitely has a higher ceiling, but I think Walker has the significantly higher floor. Yeah, and I I think it's a huge matter of draft capital at that point because you know we all assume that Walker is going to get that draft capital. You know that you know maybe mid mid to late day two, easily at by day three he's gone. But where does you know where can Strong go in that range? You know to where he gets that like you know, is, is a team like Buffalo, the spot for him? It, it certainly could be. Yeah. I um, think, yeah. um, to answer your question, I think Miami makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffalo makes sense, but they don't use early capital on a back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he strong walks in immediately into the best running back in that room. Right. Um, and I think with what they want to do on offense this year and take the pressure off of Josh Allen, the red zone, it makes sense to take a running back. Um, that can do that. Um, but yeah, I think Strong's capital in general probably going to be like Darrington Evans. Remember when he kind of similar situation, small school mm-hmm. Appalachian State, um, ended up going in the third round with the Titans. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the injuries kind of bogged down his career there. And now he's actually Chicago Bear. But yes, I think that's the type of surprise you might get is is a Darrington Evans third round type capital. I hope so. I I have him as a I have him as a second round caliber of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he goes in the third round or fourth round. Uh, I don't think he makes it out of day two. I'd be surprised. Okay. okay. And who who after those three then do you have? I mean, I know your grades, but kind of who are the guys that like you know stand out to you? Some you know kind of that next tier. Yeah, I think on film it's you know I think Isaiah Spiller. I think. He's an interesting one because the lack of explosiveness you can kind of see on a film from a linear perspective. He's not a great linear athlete, but he's extremely gifted in the toolbox he's been given. As a he has a ton of – he's in a wide array of what he can do laterally. Uh, he can make you miss in a phone booth. He's great in one-on-one engagements. But what he has to do to become a high-level NFL starter is work in the between-the-years trades. This is my hang up with Miles Sanders coming out of Penn State a few years back was the game played too fast for him, even in college. That's the hang up I have with Isaiah Spiller. While he has the physical traits to be a to be an NFL starter and a pretty dang good one, it's going to be will the game slow down enough for Isaiah Spiller to be that type of guy from a cognitive aspect. And we've seen that too with guys like um Jonathan Taylor, you know, when he came into the league. Um, that was something when you looked at him in his first few like few games and first half that season, he struggled a bit, mm-hmm. um, but he caught up to the speed of the game. Will Isaiah Spiller? That's the question I have. And I think when you talk about, again, a guy like Miles Sanders, that's the big thing with Miles Sanders was he, it's never happened. And you guys are yeah. Eagles fans, and you can probably tell me if I'm right or wrong on that. But that's the thing about 
a guy like Miles Sanders, it didn't catch up. The mm-hmm. talent's there. He's a Miles yeah. Sanders is a Pro Bowl. Talent. Very, very um, good. Talent. That's always he been is. the frustration for 100%. sure. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. But it just hasn't. Same with guys like Ronald Jones. Like yeah. it's not like Ronald Jones isn't talented. It's just the between the years stuff has not caught up yet. And that's mm-hmm. the question I have with Isaiah Spiller. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting to me because Spiller to me stands out as the guy who has the best um, technical profile here. You know, he looks like your prototypical back. You know, he's 220 some odd pounds. He's got great, he's got great height and he tested well enough, you know, for an NFL back at this level. Sure. It's just that. You know, it doesn't seem like he's ready. I, I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You said it plays too fast for him at this point, and it's just a matter of whether it slows down for him. And I think that's something that really we can get behind. I think a lot of people have caught on to that as this draft process speeds along. So, you know, that's why you're seeing a lot of other guys go ahead of him and, you know, thoughts will tumble. But I still think the NFL will think of him highly enough to where he gets the draft capital he needs he's a, he's a, he'll to be a make, yeah, to yeah. make a, you know, a starting impact immediately. But I want to move on to a guy that wasn't on your list and that you don't have a profile up onto. Sure. And, you know, Derek obviously is a big fan of Damian Pierce. So am I. But I want to hear your thoughts on the University of Florida standout who really never seemed like he was used properly by Dan Mullins and that staff. Right, yeah, his usage was kind of perplexing because he'd like rip off these runs and then he mm-hmm. would just wouldn't see the field for quarters. <laughs> uh, made no sense. But mm-hmm. he's someone I too think that his capital might surprise. I think he's, I think he's a third rounder um, because few reasons. Best pass protecting back in this class. Uber physical. I mean, the guy is like five nine, probably played around two twenty. Great physical profile for a three down back when you combine his pass catching capabilities. That's a big one for me. When you watch him at the senior bowl run routes, looked really natural, good hands, um, has a good profile for a three down back, tough, physical, reminds me of CJ Anderson, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's gonna be he has a chance to walk into a running back room and shock people with his with his ability immediately. Um, I like him a lot. I think he'd be a really good fit for – we talk about the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Shit, get a guy like Damian Pierce in that room. Get a guy who's physical, can protect Josh Allen, and also provide an outlet as a receiver. I think that's a perfect fit for him and his skill set. Taking pressure off Josh Allen in the red zone is going to be priority number one for them because I haven't been able to do that with, with success. You know, Devin Singletary is a great satellite-type back, a great change-of-pace guy in the NFL – Zach Moss, I don't think he's ever gonna, you know, be what people wanted him to be and be a threat along the goal line. I think Pierce is that guy that can do that and move the needle for the Buffalo Bills. Um, that'd be the place I'd be most excited for him if he gets, you know, third round capital, which is I think third, fourth round, so we can see him go. I really want to see Philly get one of these bruising running yeah. backs that still has yeah. that pass skill set. I think Pierce would fit really well there. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about them shipping Miles out sometime this offseason. Probably latest for me by the trade deadline. Sure. Uh, I think Pierce would fit great there. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Eagles are going to invest in a running back somewhere in the mid-rounds. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that Angelo and I had this discussion last year about Miles Sanders, and I was disappointed to hear what he said last year and then 
kind of rang true again this year. So uh, we're entering another year where I think the Eagles, you know, especially kind of establishing what they did the second half of the season where they were such a strong rushing attack. I mean, right. you can't have too many guys there. And I mean, I'd like to add one of these younger guys rather than Jordan Howard did fine, but, you know, I'd rather yeah. re- replace him with, with somebody else. So it'll be interesting. The Eagles have such a like, stable, you know, Kenny Gainwell. I'm surprised they brought back Boston Scott, but – I yeah, I was I was kind of yeah. surprised too. Um, <laughs> you know, I like Boston Scott. I think he's a good player. I, I like him too. He's but always yeah, good when was, he plays. But I was yeah. kind of shocked. But yeah, I mean, a, a guy like Pierce, Brian Robinson Jr., you know, mm-hmm. Samir White, mm-hmm. like one of these type of guys who a bruising back. Yeah, that's, who can provide some some attitude to a to an offense, right? And like provide an identity. I think you know, a Chicago Bears fan, that's what David Montgomery did for the Chicago mm-hmm. Bears. Mm-hmm. Especially yep. when that stretch where Mitch Trubisky was struggling and Bill Lazor's like, shit, like we gotta <laughs> find a way to win some games. Just give it to Montgomery thirty times and see what happens, and it worked because he's <laughs> like, you know, in November, December, he yeah, physically wear you down, man. I mean, a guy like that is important, especially in Philly, where right now Jalen Hurts is he's improving as a passer. I'm a Jalen Hurts fan, but to take some pressure off him, you need a really strong running game. They had one last year, despite not having a prolific rushing threat at running back. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they they need that guy. Jordan Howard did all right, like you said. I think his the tread in his tire is pretty limited right now, but yeah. I think they you know adding a guy in that room who can do that, especially the first couple downs, take some pressure off Sanders if he's there, is pretty important. I'm gonna ask yeah. you about one more back before we move. Sure, on to go the ahead. Receivers, uh, James Cook. I'd like to hear kind of yeah. your take on him. Uh, you know, very polarizing because of the name. You know, people are people are going to be interested. The big school we saw him. You know, playing in the college football playoff. So sure. all of that. But I think everybody kind of has is some skepticism as well about kind of how he's going to be used in the NFL. What's going to happen? So, uh, what are your thoughts? I like James Cook actually a lot. I, I think yeah. when you watch him play, he's really fluid. He has a good field IQ. He's going to be a long time NFL player. I don't know his ceiling though. That's the that's the that's yeah. the issue I have. I think he's going to be like a secondary committee option for most of his career. Graded out pretty well film-wise, kind of right around that Brian Robinson, a little bit, you know, a little bit below a guy like Isaiah Spiller. But I think he's going to be a guy that sees the field throughout his NFL career. I don't think he's going to be like a, a bench guy, but I think mm. he's going to be a committee guy. Um, kind of like, you know, a Gio Bernard type player, um, a theoretic. Ish, like a guy who is going to have an NFL role, um, but I think at the highest, like a Jarek McKinnon. Um, Interesting. So I don't know if he's going to be, you know, like a 15 carry a game guy. I don't think that's him. But I think he's going to provide you a different element um, as a, you know, a running back who's lined up in the slot. Um, He can move him around a bit, use him on third downs. I think he's a good player. The the NFL right now. I was going to say the NFL right now, I feel like it's perfect for a guy like him to at least find a role, you know, because pretty much every backfield is split into, you know, at least two or three guys and have specialized skills. So what's Ben talking about before we, yeah, before we hop into some of the nice fantasy fits for those other top backs, let's, let's get this question by Ben real quick. Sure. I think, you know, it's a good question actually, Ben. Um, I said the Buffalo Bills. I stand by that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bills are definitely one of them. Eagles are a sneaky one too because they, they need someone to take the pressure off of Hurts. I think that's pretty apparent. Um, besides that, the Miami Dolphins are one 
I think for one of the wide zone backs in this class, that could be pretty key, like a Pierre Strong Jr., like we said before. Um, the Tennessee Titans are one, too. You know, we, we look at Derrick Henry. I mean, he's he's not a cyborg. Or is he? We don't know, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I think that's one that I kind of like. Arizona Cardinals, they want a running mate for James, you know, for James Conner. Um, but, yeah, th- those are some of the ones that come to, you know, top of my head. Texans are one I like, too. Um the 49ers, they need, they need a back behind um, uh, Mitchell. So I think there's some spots that will give some fancy upside. But it, it's an interesting class because there's not a lot of spots immediately where you're going to see guys come in and touch the ball 20 times a game. Mm-hmm. So that will be interesting. Obviously, the Texans are one that that's kind of a home run. Um, the Jets could be something interesting. Their offensive line isn't that good. Atlanta Falcons, too, a lot of wide zone there. That's a, that's a spot for, like, a strong – um, some of these other backs that are pretty good in the wide zone scheme. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of the ones for me I'm looking the most at. Before we hop on the wide receivers, I want to ask the one question that pretty much everyone asks at some point when evaluating this wide or this running back class. What's the best fantasy football fit for Brees Hall? You know, best possible mm. fantasy football fit. Doesn't have to be realistic since we have a wide kind of variety to choose from here. Texas team for sure. Okay. Texans. I think walking into a three down roll. I mean, shit. He Just better look what happened with Najee last he's year. He's better than though. Rex Burkhead. Like, yeah. yeah. Like Marlon and Mack. And Marlon Mack. I like Marlon <laughs> Mack a ton. Actually, that, that was my comparison for Kenneth Walker. Love me some Marlon Mack. He's a good, damn good player. Um, the USF really boy. Fascinated. Yeah, he was stud. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think a guy like him and the Texans get, taking some pressure off of Mills in the meantime. Um, you know, giving them a back they can build around as they probably take a guy like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would like be that. a fun fit. All right, let's hop into this <laughs> wide receiver class. Uh, I mean, a lot of great options here. I've heard anywhere from, you know, five five wide receivers in this first round. I've heard up to uh, one of our friends, Jeff Bell, say that he has eight going off in his latest mock. I mean, that's basically taking everybody at that point. So, you know, right. let's start right at the top with your you know top ranked guy that you have a profile out on and a lot of people's wide receiver one in this class it's drake london so you know let's start up here what what you know what do you love about london first off most importantly i think it's his movement his movement tools for his size is really impressive um Mm -hmm. he moves like a much smaller guy does a great job in the red zone and is very technically sound at the top of routes, A, for a guy his size, and be in the red zone. That's where he can really shine the NFL, I think. Um, be a premier red zone threat. I think he goes pretty early. I think he's a top 12 pick in this year's draft. Um, I think him and um, him, Alave, Garrett Wilson are going to be Jameson Williams, I think, will be kind of the first four off the board in any one of those orders. But I like Drake London a ton. I think he's he's a guy that can have 125-plus receptions in the league maybe. Like he's a high-level possession receiver um, who can make plays after the catch. I think it's an underrated ability about him is he's a really good after-the-catch player. There's a couple guys in this class too, like David Bell. You wouldn't expect that because of his lack of explosives, but he's a great after-the-catch player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm a big fan of Drake London. Yeah, I have him – him and Burks and and Wilson and Sky Moore all in the same tier. Um, I don't even go wrong with any of those guys, but a guy like London, I think, has a chance to to be a really high level possession receiver in the NFL. 
I really like London as well. You know, a, you know, a week ago, Jay and I had Derek Brown on, and uh, Derek Derek has Drake London as his new wide receiver one, and proceeded to give me a stern talking to at the end of the episode because I had Drake London as my wide receiver five, and I was looking oh, for someone. Man. I was looking for someone to tell me where <laughs> I was going wrong here because I kept seeing things that worried me. Uh, you know, I. Yeah, you know, I like I like to think of myself as someone who goes more by narratives than by film or analytics because I'm not as skilled as breaking all of that down, you know, as some of the very great um, you know analysts in this class at film and analytics like yourself. But you know, I went with the narrative that I have I've been continually hearing over the past few weeks about Drake London. You know, can't separate, relies too much on contested catches. Uh, is not, you know, a gifted runner to the point where he, you know, would be a downfield weapon to where he could separate and get open. But, you know, Derek assuaged my fears and I've moved, I've since moved him back up to uh, wide receiver three. I have Jameson Williams at two and I have Garrett Wilson at one. Interesting. Which, cool. I, which I think is, you know, a, a lot of people's thought there. You know, they viewed Jameson as a speed dim and, and Garrett as kind of like the safest guy, you know, who, you know, can do a, a lot of everything basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but I'm happy to see that you're very high on London as well. Uh, I think for him, you know, you have to, a lot of it will be where he lands as a big part of him. Where do you think are the best fits for him in this class fantasy wise? Okay. Best fit. Um, the Jets are a good fit for him too. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a good one. Atlanta is somewhere, some place that needs a receiver. Um, charge would be interesting. Um, even with Mike Williams there, yeah, that'd be interesting to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it'd be good, but it'd be interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the Jets is the one where I could see him taking a lot of volume. Um, with Elijah Moore kind of relegated to the slot there. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think that would be that'd be a good spot for him. I I would like to actually see London in the slot a good amount, like a place like New Orleans if he fell. Will be really interesting because I think he can do a lot of damage as a big slot. Um, mm -hmm. His last year, not this year, but the last year he played, I think that was the one thing I liked a lot about him was he played the big slot role really, really well mm -hmm. um, and commanded a lot of attention over the middle of the field with his frame and his catch radius, which isn't that actually big for a guy his size, but um, his frame really made a big difference with the middle of the field for me. I really kind of want to see him. I want to see Green Bay go up and get him. Oh, because I, I and, yeah. and you know, look, I'm giving. I feel like I'm giving away my whole article over here. Like that was the pick that I, that I made. Was you know, I I suddenly have a vision of him popping into my head, catching goal line fades from Aaron Rodgers in the end zone for the next two to three hey, that, years. That's a pretty and yeah, it's like, a pretty image. I think he could possibly be better at that than Adams was. And I don't think anyone has thought that like Adams is a master at the goal line fade at this point in his career. I mean, Drake London with that six, five, you know, that catch radius and his wingspan, he could easily, I think, get there. And I think Rogers would love to have someone like him out there. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you hundred percent. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Drake London. I really, at this point, I'm thinking that him and Jameson Williams are going to make it into the top 10 which I'm thinking Atlanta and I think the Jets. And, I mean, you know, I'm also following, you know, different things I'm hearing or listening to and people talking about it, but it seems realistic. I think that those two, I mean, 
everybody who we can go to next, actually, uh, Garrett, uh, Garrett Wilson, because he's also my favorite guy, I think, in this class, like what Sam said. But it's really tough, man, at the top with these guys. Yeah. And I know you have Jamison Williams a little bit further down. Um, but yeah. for those three, for me, it's really tough. And, you know, as an Eagles fan, we were talking about it before the show at 15. It's like they're all different fits. Uh, some may fit better than others. But yeah, those top three for me are guys that I would be thrilled with. Um, mm. So going to Garrett Wilson next, I mean, you have another fun combination comp for him uh, with uh, Calvin Ridley. And let me let me read the, the actual way that you put it here. You put in the mold of Deontay Johnson meshed with the – decelerative capabilities of Calvin Ridley. So yeah, I like that. I mean, being able to kind of slow down, create some space for himself. Uh, tell us about Garrett Wilson a little bit. Yeah. I, I think he's the safest receiver in this class. Yeah. I had him as my highest film grade this year. I like his game a ton, man. I mean, he's just one of those players that's just going to fit in right away and, and, and be, a, be a number one target. Kind of like Devonte Smith was last year was mm-hmm. he just plays the game the right way at the, like on the inside and the outside uh, can separate um, has good speed. I think his, I think he timed faster, faster than he actually plays. Yeah. Um, but I just, everybody think, seemed to time faster. Yeah. Than they this year. Yeah. <laughs> he was fast. Yeah. Um, but a four, three, nine is not bad. No, 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 no. He's, he's not, he's Very not fast. slow. He's yeah. just not, I don't yeah. think speeds. I don't think that's how he really wins, but right. he, I don't know. I like how he plays the ball in the air. Uh, mm-hmm. He does a really, really good job of controlling his engagements. Um, he seems like he's always like going back to the word control. He seems like he's always in control at the line of scrimmage. Um, has a plan for everything. Really bright kid when listening to interviews too. But yeah, I think I don't know, man. He's he's the top fifteen pick too. Like there's yeah. there's five of the there's four or five of these receivers this year that are probably going to be in the top fifteen, top twenty. Um, but him and his teammate Chris Olave are, are both damn good players. Uh, I think Wilson has a little bit higher ceiling than Olave does, but mm-hmm. I think both are first round picks and they've earned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love Garrett Wilson. I, I, like I said, he's he's my guy in this class. And uh, do you think that you know you, you mentioned that he his film his film grade is your highest grade mm-hmm. in this class? Obviously, the analytical profile takes a little bit of a hit. Do you think he's unfairly judged by the fact that he's playing with another first round, probable first round pick in Chris Olave, probably quite possibly the wide receiver one in next year's class, Jackson Smith and Najigba. Mm-hmm. You got Marvin Harrison there. You have Travion Henderson and Meon Williams, you know, taking some, taking some uh, pass catchings away as well. Add into the fact that CJ Stroud took a little bit time to get going, you know, and he's played with NFL talent all all the years he's been in Ohio state. Does that ding him right. a little bit unfairly in your eyes? I don't know. It's interesting because I go back to like Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, like, mm-hmm. like Devonte Smith was uber productive, even with mm-hmm. like with Judy there with rugs there, he was still the leading receiver. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think it's, I think Devonte Smith's a better player than Garrett Wilson is, but I also think Garrett Wilson is kind of right where he should be. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think he's a, Pro Bowl caliber NFL player. I don't think he's on the level of Chase and Devontae Smith, which is okay. He doesn't need to be. But mm-hmm. I think he can be an uber productive NFL player who should be taken in the top 15 of this draft for sure. Yeah. And I mean, 
I kind of want to talk about the Jameson Williams one because I, I expected he would be a little bit higher. Not that he's low, but uh, what kind of puts him below? I mean, you have Sky Moore at, I mean, their total grade at the 56. You have Jameson Williams at 54. Um, yeah. Jameson, though, in that higher, or, uh, sorry, Sky Moore in the higher teal at the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl ceiling, and then Jameson Williams at the high floor um, primary receiving option. So, you know, still a high tier, but a, a break. So, what separates sure. Sky Moore and Jameson Williams? Different receivers, but. What separates them for your grades? I think it's an, analytically that was it. I mean, you yeah. like analytically, you know, Jamison Williams scored, you know, 12.6, which is probably like in the off the top of my head, like 25th-ish percentile, like 30th percentile, like not very high. Um, Sky Moore was a scored 16.12, which is pretty dang good. I'm actually higher than Garrett Wilson. So that's really the difference. I had Jamison Williams a little bit higher on in film, like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Jamison Williams has one of the highest ceilings in this class, but also the floor is pretty low. I think for a couple of reasons, a, the injury, Mm -hmm. um, we just, that's a question mark. We can assume all we want that he's going to be the same player. And in working with athletes myself, you just don't know until it happens, right? Rehab can go super, like can go as well as it can, your return to play stuff can go as well as it can and you get out in the field and you're a different player can happen. Um, that's just a question. We just don't know the answer to yet. And that's Mm -hmm. fine. Um, also it's, you know, one year of production. Yeah. Like this, like he had one year of a uber productive season. Is he going to be a three level winner in the NFL? Is he going to be bogged down to level three, like level three work? That's kind of the that's the question. We just another question we don't know the answer for. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that, like on film, I didn't ding him. Obviously, I mean he he scored pretty damn high. I mean within a, two grading points of Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson, so not like not a giant difference. But I think in terms of fantasy, he's the one I'd be I'd have the most pause about drafting early in fantasy drafts because a I don't think he's gonna have a three level role, especially right away. And b I don't know what's gonna happen with the injury if he's gonna be the same player in terms of his lateral skill set the decelerative skill set is the biggest one for him mm-hmm. he is extremely abrupt as a decelerator very much like Jalen waddle was like can stop like especially in double moves like there's one play when he was like 20 yards down the field pauses and then just re-accelerates and absolutely just eviscerates the whole secondary and it catches yeah. like an 80 yard touchdown. That's the stuff I don't know is going to come back as quick, which is where I'm like, that's a little riskier. Can, does he have the upside of those guys? Absolutely. But his, yeah. his floor is a little bit lower than I think a lot of people are willing to admit. Well, it's a little bit, I mean, your, your comparison for him too, in the mold of Will Fuller messed with Jalen Waddle, like you said, but I mean, right. it's interesting with Will Fuller because it's like, Will Fuller is the perfect example of kind of some of the things you're talking about where it's like, when it's there, it's all there. And, yeah. you know, when he's healthy, it's awesome. And what it can be the ceiling, you know, it's, that's such a great part of him, but he's just, you know, he's had injury struggles obviously throughout his career and, you know, other, other issues now. But um, I think it's really interesting. I, want to kind of ask too, because with Jamison sure. Williams, it's so interesting because you hear, you know, Mel Kuyper or J- uh, Daniel Jeremiah, they say so like, uh, almost sure they're like, oh, well, Jamison Williams without the injury, pre-injury would have been the first wide receiver taken. And it seems like it's almost like that's what would have happened. Like that's what Mel Kuyper. It seems like the NFL Jeremiah. is kind of in lockstep yeah. with that. 
Yeah, and I kind of think so too. I, I could see him still go off the board high. Um, but it's interesting just because I, I think these guys are so close. And then I hear that and it's like pre-injury, it would have been, he would have been the first guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, what do you kind of think about that? Do you think that he really still has the chance, even with his injury that he did enough in this one year, you know, smaller sample size, but sure. still enough to be the first guy taken. Yeah. I think he will be too. I think. Yeah. Okay. I think, <laughs> I, I think the, the I could have uh, asked a shorter question than Angela, man. I think he absolutely will be kind of like Henry Ruggs a few years back too. Yeah. Like yeah. Henry Ruggs wasn't as highly regarded as, you know, Jerry Judy in that class, right? Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb. Lamb. No. Yeah. But he had the one element that is going to strike fear into the hearts of defensive speed. coordinators. That is speed. <laughs> and that is high level speed, too. Not just like you're not like Chris Olave's fast. He ain't Jamison Williams fast. And then that, that's, that's a different category. Yeah. That's like game speed coming in there, not that combine speed as right. much. Right. Yeah, I know. And Chris Olave is a fast ass dude, man. He, he's he's fast mm. in the field, too. But I think a guy like Jamison Williams has that game breaking ability on any given play. And that's the difference. And that's what NFL teams want. Even even the threat of Jamison Williams isn't. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a Green Bay just gave Marquez Valdez Scantling that contract just Hell for the yeah. threat like, of Marquez Valdez Scantling. Like, that's the thing, right? <laughs> like, it's the threat of the player might be as or more important as the actual player. Yeah. yeah. Like, having Tyree Kill on the field, I don't care if Tyree Kill turns to freaking dust, his ass still Tyree Kill. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's just how it is. So it's Deshaun it's Jackson, thing. yes, sir. Deshaun game. Jackson's still burning people, man. Exactly. He exactly. unlocks a different element for the whole offense. Bro gets off the living too. room and he, you know, like that's yeah. just how it is. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, like, for same thing with a guy like Jamison Williams, it's the threat of Williams is going to be super big come draft day. He's a trade up candidate for some of these guys, too, especially like yeah. the, the Saints. If you want to create a, a passing attack, you know, a healthy Michael Thomas and a healthy Jamison Williams isn't a bad way to start. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he's definitely a guy I'm looking at, you know, to be right around anywhere from six to 10. I yeah. Think. yeah. I think that he goes way before them, but a dream spot for me. And, and I I've heard everything you've mentioned. I think, I think a lot of for him, it's going to be again, landing spot dependent. <clears throat> you want to go somewhere where he's not forced into action right away. You know, if he still has any issues with that, you know, medically repaired ACL. Right. The great place for me, I think, would be Arizona. Maybe they could trade yeah. up and go get him. They're in a win now situation. What what <laughs> better way? Now, I don't think this I don't think this Ky, uh Kyler Murray thing gets resolved overnight. I think sure. he plays, but I think this becomes a much bigger issue after this season. What better way to show Kyler Murray? We're invested in Amen. building around you <laughs> than by drafting Jamison Williams to complement DeAndre Hopkins. That got us all excited, Sam. I'm, I'm, hey, that, that's, a, that's one fast ass Christmas present right there. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so nice to yeah, see yeah, him for in sure. an offense like that. So, yeah. But all right, let's move on to the next guy. And I, I want to go, I want to double back to your uh your third highest rated guy on on this board that we had access to because we didn't have access to the burks and the pickens profiles because i think they're probably not up yet um which might be why let me but, see yeah so we can talk about both those guys actually yeah um so burks we, first and mm-hmm. foremost okay 
For me, a guy like Traylon Burks has one of the higher ceilings in the class. I mean, you're talking about mm-hmm. 6'2", 225 pounds. Um, being able to run, you know, 22.6 miles an hour on the field of play, that's it's insane. If you've seen what 22.6 miles an hour looks like up close, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's fast. I saw Chris Johnson it's uh, running <laughs> on the treadmill once. It looked like ridiculous. his legs were moving, like uh, blurring <laughs> in and out of phase. Yes, <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it's it's a it's cartoonish at 225 pounds. It doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't happen often? So I think if he gets into an offense that kind of can cater to his skill set um, and help him grow, that's going to be really important for him. Uh, I think he I think he has the the highest ceiling of any receiver in this class because he has the prototypical alpha build 6'2", 225 pounds, the fastest on field speed of any player in this class, mm. but didn't test all that well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL views a guy like him. Like, is he going to mm. fall into the like twenties? Like, I don't know. Like there's like every year there's some, there's some concerns that don't make much don't make much sense to me, but yeah, this is okay. one of them is guys like him are built. You know, guys like him are grown on trees. Like these are guys mm-hmm. that only come to the NFL once every few years um, that have that type of upside. So I'm curious to see if a team um, a team trades up um, to go get a guy like Traylon Burks, and then you know circle back to George Pickens. George Pickens would be a lot higher if not for the injury, mm-hmm. and I like him a ton. And he's actually a candidate for the Chicago Bears, and I'd be really happy if they got one him. One of my favorite candidates for the Chicago <laughs> yeah, Bears. Yeah, that'd be very. I'd be happy with that. See, I wouldn't have to, you know. Yeah, I'd be great. I'd be very happy with the <laughs> Chicago Bears for sure if we did that. Yeah, I mean, I think the Traylon Burks thing is interesting, and it's one of those. It's one of the biggest kind of separations that I could think of in a little while with like the fantasy community, it seems, and maybe kind of when you listen to the draft community and just people kind of talking about where he's going to go. And it seems more like he's in the fantasy community a couple months ago, you know, people talking about where rookie drafts are going to be, how high guys are going to go. I mean, it was Traylon Burks was the guy, it seemed. Um, Everybody seemed to, consensus seemed to be in on that. Now throughout the combine, you know, and we talked about it on our last show, it's like, this is, stereotypical draft season you know it goes the end of the season when Mm -hmm. we just watched them play we go into testing we go through trends and then we start to get closer to the draft and maybe come back to where we were and I'm interested if the Traylon Burks thing is going to kind of come back as well where the testing maybe took him down a little bit even though we try and say that we don't rely on the testing that much you know it shouldn't it shouldn't matter it shouldn't take away from what we saw on the field like you're talking about you know 22 miles per hour but then other people will be like well I saw him run this 40 that was disappointing you know um yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see if he's going to kind of come back up boards. And like you said, some team out there is still going to be like, you know, we still think he's the number one guy or the number two guy. And what we can do with him is different. So it'll be interesting to see. We were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs um, before and kind of what they could do and with the ammo to make a move for anybody if they have to. So I think that'd be a really fun fit. And, and then oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Jay. I, th- I think coming in this draft cycle, I mean, I think most of us, were like no brainer. Traylon Burks is a top two receiver mm-hmm. in this class, yeah. including me. Like I'm like I, I had Traylon Burks yeah. going into this season as the number one receiver in this in this draft cycle. Um, I think some teams might feel that same way. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the interesting thing when we look at it is which teams feel that way because um, there's definitely going to be one of them. Um, and I, you know, I think there's some teams who have some 
additional capital this year that might want to move up and get him. Guys like, you know, teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, they have two first-round picks. Um, the Green Bay Packers are in a near-perfect position to grab a guy like him if he falls. Um, so that's what I'm kind of looking at right now, man, is, is like I think he's going to go to a really good spot. Um, yeah. And also, do you guys think Jerry's going to – Pass up on Traylon no, Burks. No, no, no Arkansas. The Arkansas connection. Gary went to Arkansas. Gary <laughs> went to Arkansas. I mean, the connection makes sense. I actually would really like Traylon Burks in that offense. You know, you know, obviously CD's natural position is the slot there. It's a much easier position for him to play than force him outside where he can't really be press as well. So, you know, stick Traylon Burks outside, let CD dominate, you know, on those in-breaking routes and let Traylon just literally you know wrecked the red zone which was kind of which was a little bit of an issue for them last year when amari wasn't when amari wasn't you know you know balling out for them in the red zone they had some issues down there in the red zone so Traylon burks would come right in and clear that right up for them i really think that the kansas city moving ahead of green bay seems like an interesting move because every time you do a mock draft and you get down to what we were talking about earlier with these other receivers too i mean there's a chance that four of them could be gone by then mm-hmm. and then you have green bay and kansas city sitting in spots where they essentially need one you know that's kind of like the thing that both those teams that's their biggest need in a position where there's going to still be a trail on burks there's going to be a sky Moore, and if one of those teams is really in love with him I could see Kansas City just jumping Green Bay to get him, so uh, that would be a fun yeah. one. And no, he'll, he'll be interesting to see. Honestly, I, th- I think for a guy like a guy like Burks and his physical profile, um, I'd be shocked to see. I think he's going to be one of those trade up candidates in the early late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Um, after the you know after he goes, he definitely goes after you know Wilson, London, mm-hmm. um, Williams, and Alavi. I even think, but I think after that, I think he's the one that's going to be you know, pretty sought after of a guy that has, like I said, that physical profile that like, imagine like, you know, like an AJ Brown type of player, like AJ Brown, if he was what we knew he was now, how early would he be picked? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We make these mistakes all the time. Um, The NFL teams do too, of like finding reasons to not draft these guys who have these potential like mega talents, right? Guys like AJ Brown, like I said, they don't grow on trees. Guys like Traylon Burks, they don't grow on trees. So one, it takes one team to realize that. And I think the Packers, the Chiefs, the Saints are one too um, that could potentially see that and and say, hey, all right, we we want this guy. Um, But yeah, I think early 20s, late teens for Burks makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I was with the Debo news today. You know, a couple of my friends were talking about uh, that draft class, and it's just how crazy it is that the two first round receivers in that 2019 draft class were Hollywood Brown and Nikhil Harry, and right. then all these other guys who were talking about getting these extensions now: AJ Brown and DK and McLaurin and yep. Debo. And it's just crazy, man. <laughs> like what you yeah. said. You know, what would you? Where, how high would you pick AJ Brown or DK Metcalf if you these were top ten picks? Right yeah, yeah right? absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting, and I kind of feel like what we said with Traylon Burks. There's a little bit of that trend going on where it's like he he was at the top, now he's fallen back a little bit, and is that maybe a mistake? And another guy you're really high on, man, Sky Moore, and yeah. a lot a lot of people love Sky Moore, and I kind of want to hear hear your piece on him. Yeah. yeah, I think he's the best slot receiver in this class in this draft cycle. Um, 
what he does really well is he does a fantastic job of winning at the line of scrimmage and being in control with that. Such an abrupt accelerator can get to Best a spot. Release. That's yes, yeah, a hundred percent. I I think he he's one of those players where you blink and you miss him, the line of scrimmage, and a guy like him coming from a smaller school like Western Michigan, and also transitioning from defensive back, coming out of coming out of high school. Is that why he's still wearing number twenty four, Angelo? It could be. It's kind of, <laughs> might be, but he might have to change that going to the NFL, or, or or go talk to my guy Roger and see if he can yeah. make it work. Um, but. I think this guy's like sky has a super high ceiling, you know, mm. it's one of those things too, where you have a guy like that who hasn't played the position very long, who's been pretty productive in college. What's his ceiling, right? That That's why for me, I have him pretty dang high on AGS mm. is I graded him really high in film kind of with those, like those upper tier guys, like the Garrett Wilson's of the world, you know, Jameson Williams, Burks, London, because he has a ton of upside. He has a lot of traits that you look for in a, you know, a number one wide receiver in the NFL. He, he has, he has the wingspan. He has the hands. Yeah. His hands are also the biggest ones in the, in the NFL combine, which is hilarious. I thought that was reserved for (laughs) Traylon Burks, but it was not apparently. Um, But he's also the best accelerator at the position. Mm -hmm. One, four, six to 10 yards. That's (laughs) That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. And this someone is the guy. who looks at that at a day-to-day basis, a like a one four six to ten yards is unheard of. There's not many athletes in the last 10 years of the NFL combine who've who've had that like CD Lamb is, I think, around one four six. Um, he's an absolute he's an absolute stud in my opinion. So I'm really excited to see where he gets drafted. I think he's a he's a dark horse to go in the back half this first round. Um, him, Jahan Dotson, um, those are some guys I think they can sneak in and be pretty much day one producers. Yeah. I mean, you give pretty realistic and humble comps to a lot of these guys with the skill sets, and you gave him meshed with the three-level skill set of Cooper Cup, which is high praise, man. Yeah, so, I know it's not a player-to-player yes. player comp more stylistically, but still that is that's high praise. So Yeah, it's tough because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm, I try to not throw around the the yeah, of cups, but really reminds me of him with how he gets open. Mm-hmm. Just so smart, so abrupt. He can get to his spot. Just just wins wins reps after reps. So I don't know. I if he's Cooper Cup, that'd be pretty ridiculous. But I think stylistically, that's who he reminds me the most of. And we talk about his three level skill set. Mm-hmm. But I think you know a lot of a Sterling Shepard type player, like I said. I yeah. Think I think if Sterling Shepard would, would have stayed healthy, I think he would have had a damn good NFL career. But I think that's the type of player we're looking at, and that's a pretty productive dude. Sterling yeah, Shepard was like a top what oh, top yeah. twelve receiver in the first yeah, few was. weeks of the season, right? Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is because you said he really has kind of that like I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have the prototype of the prototypical wide receiver one uh, look or profile sure. to him. But similar to Cooper Cup, it's like neither does he, but you, the Rams built an offense around Cooper Cup effectively, mm-hmm. very effectively, right, <laughs> and right. found ways to get him in situations where he succeeds, you know. And yeah. watching Sky Moore, it's kind of similar to that. You don't watch him and, you know, it doesn't pop out as like, you know, the prototype body of, you know, the, the sure. A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf or that, that outside receiver, but – I mean, the way that the Rams built the offense around Cooper Cup seemed to work out pretty well. So, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, 
100%. Yeah, I mean, for me, I had a very interesting conversation with our friend Bo McBrayer, who's in here, and I hope he's still listening to this because I know he'll, he'll he loves he loves to hear when he's right. And uh, you know, we were talking about Sky Moore earlier tonight, and you know, we were saying we were kind of uh, picking out fits where he could go, and he brought up the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are looking for a vertical guy who can win down the field. And he came back at me with saying Sky Moore can win down the field. And, you know, uh, you're, you're familiar with Matt Harmon and reception perception, right? Of course. So, I mean, he did a Sky Moore profile. that came out this week. And, uh, I mean, look, he's got a 91st percentile success rate against press coverage and you know not 86 percentile against man 97 percentile against zone uh i mean this is the guy who ran the corner route uh a good amount and was very successful at it so i mean i think you know this kind of is a profile of a guy who can win down the field he may not wow you with the size he's only 510 you know 190 but i think this is a guy who can really separate and like you said, he's one of the best – he's probably the best accelerator in the class. <clears throat> he's one of the most skilled route runners in the class. He combines those two, and we can find someone who might be able to win outside based on his based on his athleticism. Right. You know, everyone was worried about Devontae Smith last year. Can he be a one? Can he win on the outside? And we said, yes, he uses his technicality and his, you know, his skill as athleticism to succeed against press and all of that. I think Sky Moore could be a very similar player to that. No, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think he, he's he, his athleticism gives himself the versatility to move inside and out. Mm-hmm. And I think early on he's going to be put in the slot and he's going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, giving him a two way go is just you know that's unfair. Um, mm-hmm. But I think sooner or later I think we're going to see him moved around a lot in the NFL offense, and I'm really excited for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's let's touch on one more guy. We didn't really touch on Chris Olave that much. So let's touch on him and then we can get to some, you know, maybe deeper guys that you like. And then uh, let's wrap this thing up. Sure. So, that sounds good. You know, Olave. Oh, uh, guy like Olave is interesting because I think he's just a he's a Brandon Cooks type player, mm-hmm. which is pretty damn good and really <laughs> and really underrated year after year. Yeah. And that's who I think Alave is. I don't think he's overly flashy, but he's a really good downfield threat. Uh, I'm actually moving him up. Uh, his profile will be probably coming out this Saturday or Sunday. But I'm actually moving him up on AGS um, on a, from his film grades because he's pro- he's the best receiver in terms of transitioning back to football in this draft cycle, like bar none. Just a, such a gift for understanding space, and his field IQ is so high. He's going to immediately help an NFL offense. Like, I think he's an out, he's an outside player primarily. Um, he's not overly quick or abrupt, but he's extremely fluid and has a movement signature kind of like a guy like Tyler Lockett, where he just seems to win, right? And, mm-hmm. and he's going to continue to help his team. He's going to be a long-time NFL player. Mm-hmm. Like He's going to be a number two on the NFL roster for a long, long time. And those guys are important. Like it's like not just – I don't think he's a number one per se, but – I think he's a number two on an NFL roster and a damn good one mm-hmm. um, and can be number one like Brandon Cooks. I mean, Brandon Cooks is a, has a thousand yards year after year, and we always forget yeah. about him yeah. <laughs> um, with different quarterbacks, different corners, different teams. Um, but that's the kind of guy I think Alave is. I think he's just dynamic down the field, can make plays in the ball. He's, he's always in the right spots. Um, and like I said, his field IQ is really high. He's not very good after the catch, but I think his field IQ 
really makes up for that. Um, mm -hmm. His ability to kind of, you know, excuse me, um, work his way around in space. Um, not going to break many tackles, but I think he's one of those, he's the top 15, top 17 pick just based on, you know, what he can do to help your offense right away. And that's going to be really important um, in this NFL draft for sure. I love that. There's one guy who I feel like, you know, again, talking about trends of the draft season and kind of as we're getting closer and somebody who's kind of fell out of favor throughout the draft process, who you do have a profile up on David Bell, uh, you know, give us a little pitch on him kind of, you know, you have, you have some yeah. good comps for him too, the way that he plays, um, sure. you know, after his testing, I mean, you put things about, he's maybe one of the best uh, in this draft cycle after the catch, 100%. Uh, you you know, say in the mold of Chris Godwin meshed. I'm going to keep reading you your comps back. I, I love <laughs> Please these. do. I love they're, these. They're great. In the mold of Chris Godwin meshed with in-air and post-catch solutions of Allen Robinson. So, yeah, those are two good players, right? Those are two good players. <laughs> they don't suck. So, yeah, I think he's he has the chance to be a high-level NFL wide receiver just because yeah. he does a lot of things that you want your number one receivers to do. He's always in the right spot. He's reliable and he's fantastic after the catch. And he's consistent after the catch too. I, I love I love a guy like David Bell because these guys get bogged down every single year because they're not athletic. Like this mm -hmm. happens in nearly every draft cycle. Yeah, we have guys who you're like, oh, we write them off because they ran four six five. No, if you've seen yeah. four six five up close, it ain't slow. Yeah. Definitely not slow. This guy, especially a guy like who's 6'2", like 210 pounds, like this is not a small receiver either, right? This is, you know, right around a guy like, like, I don't know, like DeAndre Hopkins, like Devontae Adams type size. Um, it's going to help from day one just as a reliable playmaker. Is he going to reach that ceiling? I don't know, but I think he's a Chris Godwin-like player. Yeah. Um, not as explosive as Godwin, but – Sort of like I said in that, in you know, mesh with Allen Robinson. You know, well, I think, a, go ahead. I was going to say that's that's similar to what it is with Chris Godwin. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily he doesn't have that elite like jump off the page thing, you know. Sure. But he's such a good football player. You know, it's yeah. like sometimes yeah. it's just as easy as that. I mean, Chris Godwin is such a good football player. Yeah, it's like, it's important. It's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's more that's important a, sometimes. Important to get your sport. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And David Bell, it's like it seems like that. It was. I'm talking about, you know, dynasty or fantasy, you know, he was going to the top half of rookie drafts. I feel like people thought he was going to be, it was like, Oh, well, maybe with this early second rounder, I'll get David Bell. And now sure. it's like, I mean, the guy, it seems like he went through the testing and then he's just fallen off people's lists. Like you said. So um, it's good to hear somebody bringing it, bringing him back up to, to maybe where he should have, should have stayed. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he gets drafted. I think I have, yeah. I, think like a, I think he's a second rounder. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think that happens this year. I think he gets put in the third round, which a team will get a steal on him. Um, again, Chicago Bears, if you're listening, um, <laughs> Ryan Pohl, please <laughs> draft David Bell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a damn good player, man. He's just uh -huh. underrated. And he, yeah, I have a, I could go on all day about what the guy does well, but simply put, he's good at the sport of football, mm -hmm. and yeah. that really matters. <laughs> I mean, your your overarching talent is more important than your ability to perform well in service level metrics and in your underwear. Uh -huh. So that's really important to me because he's a good wide receiver who can make an impact in the NFL. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, are there any other wide receivers that you deem, you know, with kind of like a second, third round grade that really kind of jump off the page at you? Oh 
Oh, man. I think the one for me that I don't know what kind of capital he's going to get because he's not very talked about, Kyle Phillips. I think he's just he's just a, another good football player. Mm-hmm. Like very much like a Hunter Renfro mold where field IQ off the charts, um, does dirty work, underrated after the catch, um, really good on punt return. He just gets the job done. I think he's one of those, you know, Hunter Renfro, Jamison Crowder, Cole Beasley, Braxton Berrios, those slot receivers who always kind of seem to produce in like a sneaky way. Like Cole Beasley was like a really good fantasy option. Mm-hmm. And like you would you, you not, nobody like, cared. No, was. Yeah. Like, no, no one cares if I got 15 from Cole Beasley. It looked it looked like garbage. He finished so, as like a top 20 receiver two years right? ago, or like yeah. top 24. Yeah. And we so hated him when he was on the Cowboys. And uh, dude, I remember going back last year though and doing something about like I don't know, like kind of projecting who was gonna be sure, and I'm looking sure. through the top 20 guys and I was like, Cole Beasley, Cole what Beasley. Man? Like, again. Yeah. It was yeah. oh I was trying to figure out kind of like doing the jump from like who made that Chris Godwin leap that he made yeah, a couple right, years ago. Right. I'm looking in that range and I was like, I, it can't be Beasley, can it? <laughs> right. No, it happens year after year. I have this debate with my friends every year when I, I in one of my in one of my um home leagues, in my home league I should say, I'm always trying to trade Adam Thielen. It never <laughs> works. It never works, but every year, like the last four years, I'm like, all right, he's been wide receiver like 15. Like, no, he hasn't. That's a lie. And I'm like, I, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. Here he is, wide receiver like 14, 15. And we got her, he's wide receiver like six in points per game. I'm like, there's no chance. Yeah. Right. But yeah, every year, same with Cole Beasley. Every year, yeah. wide receiver two, like low, like high end wide receiver three. Same thing with, like, I think that's Kyle. I mean- Kyle Phillips. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to draft him in the fourth round of the rookie draft and then be like, oh my gosh, he's been in the league for 10 years and he's literally with the wide receiver <laughs> three every single year. Um, that's the type but of Renfro player. Renfro was just a borderline top 10 wide receiver. No one cares. No one cares. Even pre Devontae Adams, it was like, I don't know. I mean, is he going to do it again? <laughs> Darren Waller's going to come back and take all of his targets away. <laughs> yeah. Every single game I watch on a Renfro and I'm like, oh, Wow, he's pretty good. He's just he? good. Yeah, <laughs> he's just good at football. He's he just scored. Good he at scored football. that final touchdown too. I think when Clemson beat Alabama in that national he championship, did. and it was no, like, who else would it be? Cared. Who else would it be? But Hunter. Renfro? You know, who didn't but, care the NFL. Yeah. They didn't care either. <laughs> no, they did not. They, I'm like, I, wow, this guy's really productive. He was one of those guys when I watched that Clemson team with Deshaun Watson, and I'm like, this guy's actually good then like no he can't be (laughs) (laughs) he can't be yeah the nfl won't like him i can't Uh, no one's gonna like this i don't want to get attached to him he catches everything and he's always open on tape but no one likes Mm -hmm. him yeah he just broke like three tackles after the catch must be a fluke yeah it it doesn't it doesn't make sense i mean the nfl will seemingly ignore these guys but it just seems like every so often these small slot receivers just find a way to produce time after time and uh, i could see it happen with phillips i know who i'm yeah. going to be targeting in my and you know like rounds four and some sometimes five if i have them in any of my rookie drafts so yeah no i agree he's a good yeah. one but you know that that's a great show we covered a ton of prospects in this one uh angelo thank you again so I'll much for coming on uh one why don't you one more time tell everyone where they can find you anything you want to say about angelo analysis all that good stuff 
Sure. Uh, first, Jay, Sam, thanks again, man. This is a ton of fun. I, I love chopping up with you guys. Um, mm -hmm. Really gracious you guys take the time and, and to invite me on your show. Thank you. Um, but yeah, you can find me, you know, at Angelo underscore fantasy. Um, and then on my website, angeloanalysis.com. I'm just putting out the new, you know, new rookie content uh, for the next few weeks. And then, you know, we got the NFL draft next week, got the rookie guide coming up. Um, then we add a couple new features here soon. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said before, the four minute forecast is going to be new, doing some video content. So I got to learn to edit some videos. That'll be another new trick. Mm -hmm. um, but no, man, I'm just really excited for this draft cycle, man. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, this is the first draft in a long time that I've, I have no idea where anyone's going. So this is going to be a lot of fun, um, but I'm really excited. And thank you guys again for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, that's going to be it for us. We will see you next week. Jay and I will be breaking down our mock drafts as we finally get ready for the draft to happen. And uh, we will see you guys on the flip side. Have a great night.